we're a week away from early signing day. So what do I do? I get the best, John Garcia, to join us and talk Alabama football recruiting. Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's normal. But how about an upgrade today? John Garcia uh, joins us. He's the absolute best from SI.com. John, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, Luke. Just uh, like everyone, just trying to keep my head on a swivel this time of year because there's a lot going on in our in our great sport of, of college football. But no better time to talk about it. Yeah, and you've got a uh, new baby. So, I mean, Christmas is like a whole new yeah. thing for you now. Yeah. Um, but they're not old enough uh, to know anything yet, so that's that's okay. You know, you don't have to you don't have to run this time. I'm just letting you know as a guy with four kids, you need to wait about you got about 3 years and you got to start saving up like in April for Christmas. Just letting you know. So no, I'll take any advice I can get cuz I'm I'm a true rookie at this, but uh we're getting better every day for sure. All right, buddy, let's just hop right into it. Alabama got a big commitment the other day in Keon Keeley. Um, what do you think of this commitment? And, um, you know, where does this just solidify Alabama as having the best class in the country? Yeah, I think so. I'll start with that latter point. Uh, Keon Keeley is the number one pass rusher in the country. He's the number one trench prospect in the country. And as things currently stand, he'll be the top SEC bound player in the country. So those are a lot of boxes to check uh, from any perspective. And when you're talking Alabama, which has already had the number one class for quite some time, it looks like you're going to be able to hold on to some of the verbal commits that maybe we're looking around, maybe not at different points, looking at Justice Haynes, Caleb Downs, some of those players. So yeah, this solidifies not only the top class, most likely, but one of the greatest uh, defensive halls we've seen in a long time. We know they're not done on that side of the ball, but as it stands right now, you've got an elite pass rushing duo on board with Yonze Pierre and now Keeley. You've got linebackers on board, great safeties, including the number one safety who we just mentioned in, in Caleb Downs. Love Jaleel Hurley as a gadget defensive back. If you can add another player or two and, and, and hit the corner uh, button as well down the stretch, this is going to be maybe the best defensive haul in the country in addition to being the best haul overall in, in this class of 23. Uh, every time Bama doesn't win the natty, it just feels like they double down on recruiting and this year will be no different. I'd be pretty surprised if anyone else ended up with the number one class. Although it's close, there's a lot of schools, Georgia, Texas, Notre Dame in the mix. I do think Bama wins it out, uh, especially in December. It, you said something that's going to make me go off the tracks here just a minute. You called Jaleel Hurley a gadget defensive back. W what does that mean? I think he can play anywhere in the secondary, right? He's got great length and athleticism. He could be a true free safety. He could be the replacement to Jordan Battle one day, or he could be a, a Kool-Aid project type where you are trying to build him into a, a legitimate boundary corner. I think he has that type of length and athleticism. And we know Nick Saban wants his corners to be built basically exactly like Hurley uh, is built. I think he's also got some nickel upside. He's very much willing to use his explosiveness to factor in at the line of scrimmage and, and against the run simultaneously. So I think he's the wild card of the DB group that you can maybe move around anywhere. 
We know Caleb Downs has a lot of Minka Fitzpatrick type qualities. I, I think he'll captain the defense one day. So I think to supplement those guys at the top, you need another sort of pure corner, a guy we know, hey, this is a legitimate SEC corner. And of course, Bama is, is in the mix for a few of those as well. Yeah, they certainly are. I mean, a little disappointing. It seemed like for just a quick second that Cormani McLean may end up visiting Alabama and, and may, you know, at least talk about flipping. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. It looks like he's going to stick with Miami. But a guy that a lot of people are talking about, and I, I just don't see it. Um, I would love to see it. That's Caden Proctor, who's currently committed to Iowa. Uh, he has gotten some crystal ball flips to Oregon. Um, I, I would love for Caden Proctor to end up in this class, and I think he could be like a day one starter. But, I mean, am, am I missing something? I just don't see it happening. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be hard for anyone, even Oregon, to to hold uh, Iowa to, to the fire here. This is an Iowa kid who really from the jump of his recruitment knew – hey, I was going to be the team to be. They do a great job keeping their top in-state talent home. And he's been you know, the best recruit in that state basically from the beginning of, of his high school career. That said, Alabama and Oregon were both right in the thick of it when he made the verbal commitment, and neither school has slowed down since that point, which has given Caden, paired with that underwhelming Iowa season, a little bit of room to at least consider – some of his options late in the game. I mean, even Deion Sanders in Colorado have, have thrown an offer in his way. Uh, so we'll see how it goes on signing day. I'm expecting Iowa there, but as I'll say on a lot of different shows and, and outlets this next week, hard to count out Alabama in the end for anybody, even without a visit, even without a recent visit, even without a crystal ball or whatever it may look like. Bama can flip folks at any point and it should not surprise you. So Definitely another one to keep an eye on come Wednesday. Absolutely loaded question right here. <laughs> of all the recruits that you uh, that are still out there, or that frankly have already committed, I guess all of them, which one do you think has been most influenced to wind up somewhere due to an NIL deal? Oh, man. Oh, man, that's a great question. I, I think you can look at a certain group of schools and assume that NIL has flipped the script in their recruiting ceiling. I'll, I'll start with my local Miami Hurricanes. I mean, that thing has, has been no secret. It's probably the most public uh, NIL conversation that's out there with, with the billionaire John Ruiz at the helm. There's no doubt they've picked up players uh, in large part due to NIL. Up the road in Gainesville, same deal. Uh, the Gators have doubled down on it under Billy Napier, you know, really overall. I mean, biggest recruiting staff in the country maybe at that point. A&M last year kind of kicked off that conversation. They're going to counter and have a nice finish to their class of, of 2023. Louisville has, has been in the mix there. Tennessee, I mean, a lot of schools you see upticking in recruiting. That's a big reason why. Uh, and it's not it's not a knock. It just, it's using the circumstances that are now available to your advantage. Uh, so I think all those schools, you look at those commitment lists, you look at players from well outside the region, like Louisville had five kids from California committed at one point. There's some weird, really interesting and weird trends that are attached to schools that we're not used to attaching them to. And I think NIL is a big reason why for a, a lot of those. So we'll see if it works in the end come signing day, but in terms of actual verbal commitments, yeah, I think some of those schools in particular are, are taking advantage the most.
You're muted, boss. I can't hear you. John, it's not a podcast unless I mute myself. It's not a podcast. I mute myself in an effort to uh, allow you to to just roam free, just like I do with Jimmy. And every now and again, I forget to unmute myself, just like <laughs> just now. And so uh, I had a very salient point, and now I've forgotten it. So instead, what I'm going to do is uh, talk about uh, our, our latest live read here, and that's for the NHTSA drive sober or get pulled over. Look, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, right? No big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You may lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of junk driving, the results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our road. They're there to save lives. So if you think you're ready to drive after a few drinks, you better think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's life forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. John, what I was going to say before I muted myself was uh, Jimmy and I talk about this all the time that, you know, especially when it comes to Alabama basketball, because everybody wants Coleman to, to be imploded and build a new facility. I get that. Um, but my, my understanding is from some inside sources in, in at the university and outside of the university um, divert all funds right now, abort any other funds heading anywhere other than NIL, because NIL is where it's at now. You know, it's great to have a waterfall or a water slide or, you know, these very, uh, these massage chairs. Uh, I guess you could call them Deshaun Watson chairs. Um, you could, <laughs> that'd be a very funky chair, but um, no, you, it's great to have all these amenities, but in the end, the kids just now they just want to get paid and I, I don't blame them. So they would play like field in a field of dreams cornfield if they got paid to do it rather than play in a palatial uh, stadium and not get paid. So I, I feel like that's the way of the world right right now. Isn't that correct? Yes, it is. Now, does, does it affect every the same way? Of course not. But largely, yeah, look. This is an opportunity. This is a business opportunity. I, I think, you know, as much as we want to romanticize the, the sport and playing for your program and your college, you know, which is great, that's just not what it is. Uh, you know, sports in general should always remind us that, hey, there's big business behind a lot of this. And college football has been as big a business as any professional sport in this country outside of the NFL. So I think that's it's long overdue. Um, and, and the moment that button was was theoretically pushed with NIL, it was never going to be the same. That's why player movement is as fluid as it's ever been. And that's why these these kids don't push as much as they used to. We're seeing a lot of bowl opt outs, a lot of early entrance into the NFL draft and certainly a lot more transfers. 
you know, money is still very much behind that. And like you said, who who's to blame them, right? I mean, these kids come from every circumstance you can imagine and then some. So yeah, if you have an opportunity to change even a month of your life or, or your family's life, you're going to take advantage just as a human being, much less a, a college uh, player or, or athlete. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. And again, I mean, I, I understand the traditionalist in me doesn't want it to be that way. Um, and it's a scary proposition because you look at the transfer portal right now, somebody like Aaron Anderson, who went into the portal recently from Alabama. I mean, man, he's been hurt and he, he still played a little bit. Dude, I mean, part of me is like, hold on, man. You, It's not that bad. Just just give it a second. And who's to say if you go somewhere else that it's going to be any better? I just um, – I understand some people who are like seniors or juniors and they, they can, you know, they can see the writing on the wall. But a kid like this, I'm just sort of – man, I, there's something to be said for biding your time a little bit. And, again, we live in a society where everything is now, now, now. Um, and if you can't do it now, then I want it right now anyway. So uh, it's it's just kind of scary. Um, I really want to spend the last segment talking about uh, James Smith and Quay Russo. I know you knew that was coming. Um, so is there anybody else Alabama's after that you can tell us about? Because I really do want to spend a whole segment on those two cats. Yeah, yeah. Well, they speak for themselves, and we'll definitely dig into that. Uh, I think corners are still really interesting for Bama. We mentioned Cormani McLean earlier. That looks like it's a bit of a pipe dream. But there's two other Floridians that are absolutely in the crosshairs. Damari Brown from American Heritage, former teammate of, of Earl Little and, and, and other Alabama uh, players of, of yesteryear. Um, you know, he's very much in the mix. Um, Florida State, Miami, where he's a legacy, are, are involved for him, as well as Clemson. And then Desmond Ricks just came off of a visit. The IMG cornerback who reclassified from 2024 just took the OV to Tuscaloosa. There's some confidence building there, um, but LSU is going to get the last visit, and there has been long-term confidence with Brian Kelly and company. So that one is going to profile a little bit more head-to-head with the Gators uh, acting as the, the third school in the mix there. So there's no there's no locks for Bama at the cornerback position, but they're in the mix, in the ball game for two or three down the stretch. And the feeling is if you can grab one of them, it will really kind of balance out this class because there's not a lot of true needs remaining for Alabama in this class of 23. If you had to manufacture one, especially now with Keeley on board, it would probably be up front on the interior or at corner where you can probably move one of these commitments there. But in terms of experience and and just the highest of levels, which is always expected at Alabama, that 100% pure corner isn't on that commitment list just yet. Yeah, Desmond Ricks, I mean, man, it kind of feels uh, sort of like Caden Proctor to me right now. He's been so uh, connected with LSU for so long now that I'd be very shocked if he ends up in this class. I would love it. I hope it happens. I just don't see it happening. John, I want to tell everybody now about betonline.net. Betonline.net is where you want to go to get that bet in. You can bet on MMA. You can bet on basketball, football, college, pro, whatever you want, playoffs coming up. That's going to be so much fun, both college and pro. You can bet on golf. You can bet on whatever you want at betonline.net. That is where the game starts. It's easy. 
to pay in. It's even easier to get paid from betonline.net. Very easy to download the website, super easy to navigate. Just everything's easy about it. So why not use it? And you go there and you can play some poker. You can play some other casino games too. You don't just have to bet on games and win that way. You can win a multitude of ways. Bet online is where the game starts. All right. I'm just going to say Quay Russo, James Smith, go. We'll see. We'll see. This is going to be fascinating down the stretch just from a physical perspective. These two are incredibly well-traveled, right? Bunch of trips to Bama, bunch of trips to Auburn, uh, multiple trips to Florida even, which has kind of overtaken Georgia in the conversation of SEC East hopefuls for, for the Carver-Montgomery duo. But closer to home, it, it does feel more like a, a classic Iron Bowl battle, right? Uh, top, Maybe the top two players in the state. Uh, looking at both of these options, Auburn has been in and out of this race. Uh, I believe they've hosted the duo the most, which makes sense from a proximity standpoint. But there's no plans to get back there under Hugh Freeze just yet. Doesn't mean Auburn is out. Uh, again, familiarity-wise, they know the ins and outs of the planes. But with this revamped coaching staff, there has not yet been that time to say, hey, Let's get back on campus and, and really dig into it. So Auburn is relegated to the coaches individually going down to Montgomery to visit them, which still matters, just not as much as a potential official visit, which, of course, they could still take because of the coaching change on the planes. That said, there is one more weekend for visits, and, and nothing is planned today for those two at this point. If they do change their mind, obviously very easy to get to the planes. Which brings us to Alabama. Just hosted the duo for their official visit as well. Um, Alabama has been very clear and concise with the messages to both of them. I think the timing of this official visit was really important for Alabama because Charles Kelly was a really big influence on these two in particular. So having to kind of regroup and galvanize beyond Kelly, I think was important and easier to do so again when you're paying for them to be there for 48 hours. Real easy to pivot with that pitch. And of course, on top of that, these two are, were priority prospects from the beginning of the shaping of the class of 2023 recruiting board, which means this wasn't just an individual coach, right? Freddie Roach has been involved. Pete Golding's been involved. Certainly Nick Saban has been involved there as well. So all of that creates more comfort in this potential decision. And when you compare Bama to the other primary contenders, Auburn and Florida, it's, it's polar opposites, right? Stability, expectation, you know what you're going to get at Bama, Florida, still figuring it out. You're one under Billy Napier, Auburn, obviously going through another coaching change. So on that alone, there is growing confidence in Tuscaloosa to keep both of these players uh, potentially on board. We know that they're a legit package deal and they want to play together. I think James Smith has probably been leaning more Bama than Rousseau over the long haul of his recruitment. So you wonder how much internal campaigning he has done for the Crimson Tide. Uh, but we know Quay has been really high on Bama the entire time uh, as well. So fascinating. I, I think Rousseau could be Rashawn Evans 2.0 and James Smith could be Deron Payne 2.0. So any version of that would be very, very big for Alabama down the stretch. And if I had to gauge it today, I think they signed Crimson on Wednesday. Uh, I was just, first of all, that's awesome news. Secondly, I was just at the Alabama Mississippi All-Star game and um, man, love Peter Woods. Thought he was great. Seven tackles for a loss. 
He did jump off sides three times, and he did have a fumble from the wildcat position. Uh, yeah. But it says something that uh, he was even in the wildcat position, I suppose. Uh, he was pretty much unblockable. But the guy that stood out to me was Suntereen Perkins, who has reaffirmed his commitment to Ole Miss. Um, he's going to be a stud. I, 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 I was really hoping Alabama would get him before I went to this game. After this game, I was like, uh, he might be the most must-get guy that I can think of. That being said, he has reaffirmed his commitment. And another guy that did really impress me was Yonzi Pierre, uh, very fast off the edge, had a nice strip sack. And um, so, yeah, I don't think he's certainly any consolation prize. I think Yonzi Pierre is a good one. 100%. Probably the most underrated and, and least talked about kid in, in this recruiting class of 23 coming out of Ufala, a kid who's known for speed but has started to really polish up over the last year or so, kind of like Keon Keeley, who he'll be, you know, always compared to because they'll be sort of the running mates of this class uh, from the pass rushing perspective. Really big physical changes from junior year to senior year. They've put on that requisite good weight, very muscular, all those fun things, but they're still able to accomplish what they are known for, which is that first step and ability to come off the edge. Pierre can absolutely, in this day and age in particular, really fit what Alabama wants to do, built similarly to Dallas Turner, in my opinion. So I think he could have that type of impact once he gets uh, into Tuscaloosa for good. So underrated because he's an in-state kid from a not huge program. He's not a Hoover kid. He's not a you know Pinson Valley, Thompson-type kid. So I think that was easy to kind of underestimate in, in watching Pierre over the last year. But like you said, he's capping his career, playing his best football and and really being a terror off the edge so this pass rusher group led by him and Keon Keeley looks really good then you throw a Quay Roussel potentially into it and now you're looking at maybe the best pass rusher group in the country when all is said and done John so much for joining us again today I know you're a busy busy man especially this time of year it's going to be a lot of fun in this these next seven days and uh, best of luck to you man if I'll talk to you before then Merry Christmas likewise my friend thanks for having me on